Welcome to this week's Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn. And I'm Eric Skelly. And this week we are going to talk about Modest Mussorgsky's Boris Godunov. This is the only opera that Mussorgsky actually completed, Eric. Indeed. And for those of us like myself who, who sort of cut our operatic teeth in the 70s and 80s or even before, the version of this that we came to know was the Rimsky-Korsakov orchestration. And Rimsky-Korsakov and Shostakovich and a whole bunch of other people you know, took their shot at Boris Gudunov because they, for some reason, decided that Mussorgsky was not a competent orchestrator, and they were going to improve it. <laughs> well, fortunately, the opera world has sort of caught up uh, with uh, the fact that Mussorgsky knew exactly what he was doing. And it's, in fact, some of those rough edges in his orchestrations of these unique sound worlds that he, that he uh, evokes that make it such a unique and wonderful and powerful experience. It uh, evokes that barbaric splendor of Russia, uh, especially in things like the coronation scene. It's one of the greatest scenes in all of opera. Based originally on a play by Pushkin, this is a story that goes back to uh, the, the annals of Russian history. We're right at the end of the 16th, beginning of the 17th century. And Boris Godunov has become Tsar of Russia. Right. How did he get to that point? Well, by slightly nefarious means, actually. He was a general in Ivan the Terrible's army, and he was raised to nobility and was uh, he became a boyar. And upon Ivan the Terrible's death, Boris became regent of Russia because the young Tsar, Dmitri, was not old enough to... To succeed his father, right? Yes, exactly, succeed his father. So Boris became regent, and according to the Pushkin and the opera, Boris decided that regent wasn't quite enough. He wanted wanted the whole enchilada. So he had young Dmitri killed and then succeeded, uh, succeeded him on the throne. And when we opened the opera, we opened upon... This staged scene where this crowd has been assembled and they've actually been paid to be there to take up residence outside of Boris's apartments and plead with him and plead with him, please become our tsar, become our tsar. And Mussorgsky is such a genius at this because he he writes for the chorus so brilliantly. They plead and they plead and then the music kind of calms down a little bit and then you start to hear little conversations among the people going – my rear end hurts. I've been sitting here for too long. You know? <laughs> and then you come to find out that they're all paid off. They're all paid to do this. And Boris, of course, keeps saying, oh, no, I can't. Oh, no, I can't. Until finally he says, oh, all right. <laughs> because he's actually the the image that he puts forward of himself right now. He's in seclusion and he's praying. Yes, exactly. Praying for he's, guidance, spiritual guidance. Should I take the throne? Should I not? Which, of course, is nonsense. You know, he's, he's, he's orchestrated this whole thing. So, of course, he is led kicking and screaming to that throne, the throne that he has coveted. Appears to be, yes. And then we have this coronation scene. Which is, oh my gosh, it's just the, one of the most exciting scenes of all of opera. This is grand opera at its absolute grandest. And so you have all the pomp and circumstance and the bells and the smells and the richly brocaded costumes and all of this is, is trotted out on stage. And finally, Boris makes his grand appearance. And then, all of a sudden, you hear what Boris is thinking that nobody else can hear, and he is plagued by doubts. 
he is really scared. You know, be careful what you wish for. You might get it. Well, he got it. He's Tsar now. And now he not only has to rule over this vast empire, but he has to do it knowing how he got there. And that's going to be his undoing. Because he is plagued by these nightmares of having been party to the death of Dimitri. Exactly. It's it's very much like Macbeth, isn't it? Exactly. You took the words right out of my mouth. It's Macbeth, except, uh, you know, he's the Russian Tsar. But he, he is eaten from the inside out, in a sense, with this guilt of, of what he's done to get to where he is. And it's it drives him completely mad. And in fact, he finally, uh, in, in the, uh, the final scene of the opera, he's so mad that we can only assume he has a heart attack. Uh, that's usually how it's staged. You see the, uh, the singer playing Boris, you know, clutch at his, his chest and he sort of sinks and then slowly dies. He sort of implodes. Uh, or Exactly. Like. Implode is a good word, yeah. There is inevitably the antagonists here in this opera as well, in the person of Grigori. The false Dimitri. The false Dimitri. Yes. yes. This is a young monk who, hmm, he sort of figures out that if the young Dimitri had lived, he would be about my age. And so he concocts this, this plot to flee the monastery and pass himself off as Dmitri and say that the Tsarevich did not die. I'm him. I should be Tsar. Rally around me. And he actually, during the course of the opera, he, he rallies forces around him who are willing to believe him and who detest Boris Gudinov enough that they just want anyone but Boris. And uh, I believe as history shows, he finally succeeds, at least for a bit. <laughs> he gains the throne, but um, not for very long. So we have Boris and we have the false Dmitri right. Grigori. One of the other major characters that we need to talk about is Prince Shuisky. Prince Shuisky. Prince Shuisky and Dmitri are both um, characters who are outside forces who are sort of working on Boris to pressure him. And they help to drive him mad, in fact, because they're in the one case, you've got the false Dmitri cropping up and saying, I didn't die, I lived. <laughs> Here I am. And so, you know, that's got Boris a little bit freaked out. And then you've got Shuisky, who was one of Boris's boyars, who, uh, at least in the way that he's portrayed here, is, is quite the oily and sort of slimy character and is Boris not... doesn't quite trust him, does he? No, and for good reason. And, you know, the guy is, is constantly making somewhat subtle, but not too subtle, little digs at Boris to uh, sort of undermine his, his sanity and his, uh, his security. And he, he drives Boris over the, over the brink in at least one scene where uh, the two of them are, are confronting one another. And, and uh, Boris has a little bit of an episode. Boris dies at the end, and he names his son Feodor as his successor. Um, and then history goes on to show that, that Feodor doesn't last long in the role, and that Shuisky does. And, yeah. Yes. <laughs> but at the end, as Boris dies, what are we supposed to think? Where do our sympathies lie? Our sympathies lie with the Russian people because they are they're in a cycle and they can't break it they keep and this is the chorus represented by the chorus they are the russian people and they're constantly embracing rulers who are 
corrupt and, and in many ways just god-awful. And it's almost as if they're cursed to keep embracing the, and each new leader as they, as they come along, only to have their hopes dashed. And yet they keep hoping that the next one will be somehow better and somehow better. It's, it's a prescient opera. It, it really reflects the, the reality of, of Russian politics throughout the centuries. This opera is the great Russian opera. Absolutely. What is it that makes it such a standout? Several things. I think most of it having to do with Mussorgsky's mastery of capturing uh, the Russian flavor in his music. And he uses a lot of, of uh, Russian hymns and a lot of uh, Russian sonorities that you hear in some of the times the old Slavonic hymns and, and things like that. And he actually uses one of those in the coronation scene verbatim uh, and builds the whole scene around it. So it has a quintessentially Russian flavor as opposed to someone like Tchaikovsky, for instance, that has a very Western European influence. Mussorgsky is not that. He is quintessentially Russian. And at the same time, he is a master of musical drama, of characterizing very three-dimensional characters in music, not just the principal characters, but as we said before, the chorus, the Russian people have a very fully fleshed character in this opera. And in many ways, it can be argued that the Russian people are the actual protagonist of this opera. The central character. Absolutely. Mazolsky's Boris Godunov. That's this week's Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn. And I'm Eric Skelly. Thank you for listening. <laughs>